We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Philip Rivers was just picked off again at 8.01 Eastern time on a Tuesday morning. That's got to be true. He can't stop throwing interceptions. What about... Patrick Mahomes and a career low passing yards. Does it tell you they have a better shot at winning a Super Bowl? Or do you feel worse about them this morning? Also, Tua Tagovailoa, the Alabama quarterback, undergoes successful surgery in Houston, but he's about to make the toughest decision of his life. How much money could that injury? cost him. A lot to get to on a football Tuesday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. The smartest way to hire ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. We'll have our good friend Mike Gennetti from Spot Track break down all the numbers of contracts and of that decision that Tua now faces regarding his future in football. Is it at Alabama for another year? Or does he go the pros and risk rolling the dice? I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker is home in Pennsylvania. Good morning, Mr. Tucker. I wake up uh, a little bit earlier than most. And when I woke up this morning, two things were trending. Philip Rivers was number two, Ross. Number one was something that's going to take some explaining, so get comfortable. The number one trending topic in the United States of America was Fartgate. Okay, let me take you through it. The impeachment process has been very very confusing, but this one is actually rather simple. You see, Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell was on MSNBC on a show called Hardball with Chris Matthews talking about the impeachment process and Donald Trump, and a strange sound came from somewhere In this interview, you decide where this came from. Listen to Eric Swalwell last night on Hardball. The evidence is uncontradicted that the president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. We did not add that sound effect. That was part of the interview. Let's listen to it one more time so the minister of common sense can really take it all in. Take it all in. Listen. The evidence is uncontradicted that the president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. Okay. Ross Tucker, what was that sound? Well, it was obviously a fart, uh, which is why it's fart gate. I will say this. That was really loud. I mean, I, I don't know how. I mean, think about where the microphone is. For him or Chris Matthews, which will be my question, and we'll get into that. But think about where the microphone is. And they're both sitting, and really all of the force generated by the movement of the wind out of your anus is going down. It's going down. But when you're sitting in a chair like that, it kind of, there's nowhere for it to go, so it makes more of a noise and comes back up, which is why at the dinner table, Dave, 
when I was growing up, my dad used to do the the side lean. The lean. <laughs> we, we would be, I mean, it's so funny now because I would never do that, like with my daughters or wife. But my dad, and he wasn't really like this. He wasn't like crass, but there was no hesitation. We would be having dinner. It was like corn on the cob and something. And just while my dad was eating or talking, he would just go, go to the side, boom. Because you got to release it. You, you don't want to just, you don't want to keep it down there in your seat be below you. You got to, you got to let it go. You got to let it fly. Uh, he always did that towards me, by the way. I sat here. <laughs> I, my dad was there. You. My mom was across the table. My sister was here. He never leaned in my mom's direction and let it rip. It was always to me and let it rip. Um, but my point is that it was an unbelievable. Like, that was so loud, Dave, that it almost makes me wonder if it was fake or inserted. Because I just find it hard to believe that you could produce a sound that loud into a chair below you that would be as loud, if not louder, than the voice that was talking into the microphone right here. So as I see it, there are three possibilities. Number okay. one, it was this the representative. Number two was Chris Matthews. Number three, it was a artificially inserted fart noise. And I got to tell you, I think number three is a plausible option just because of how loud it was. If I had to guess, I'd go one was Chris Matthews because okay. he wasn't talking and thought he could get away with it. Two would be an artificially inserted fart noise. Three would be Representative Eric whatever his face because... Swalwell. Yeah, Swalwell. Because I don't think... That's a very hard... That was very loud. That's a very hard thing to do while you're mid-sentence and not break stride at all. You know what I mean? Like, if you're letting a, a noise out that loud, it just seems to me like it would be hard to do that while you're having that, that making the point you're making. Well, I've examined the videotape probably as much as I've examined the Monday Night Football tape, which we will discuss in a moment. And I've watched it 10 or 15 times. And Swalwell pauses and he lifts a little bit. You can see him just pause and lift a little bit as if he needs to pause and lift to let it out. Now, he went back and forth a few rounds, a few texts and a few tweets and said that it was not him. That was his initial play. It was not me insinuating that someone else may have started Hashtag fartgate. But then the producers from the Chris Matthews show confirmed that the sound was in fact real. They said it was actually Chris Matthews dragging a mug across the counter. Now, I have tried all morning to drag a mug across a counter and make a similar noise, and I cannot replicate said noise or anything even close to it. Several different mugs I've tried, several different textures of counter I've tried. I cannot reproduce anything close to the fart gate sound of things. I love the conspiracy theory that Ross Tucker just solved without even seeing the videotape. You figured it out. An artificially inserted sound effect 
to punk, I don't know, is it to punk Swalwell or is it to punk Chris Matthews or is he just getting a little old and he frankly let it fly? As to your standing versus sitting theory, Swalwell was standing in the Capitol Rotunda. Does that let him off the hook because there was nothing that he, the cheeks would have been pressed against? Uh, yes, I think that that helps him quite a bit. I will say this. I'm curious, Dave, how much did you guys like, did you guys talk about this on your CNN show this morning? (laughs) So I talked about it at the commercial break all morning for three hours, examining the crew and my co-host and my producers for their opinions. I could not, however, get it in my television program. They told me only if a late night host had commented on Fartgate could I allow it in the show. So so tomorrow, I believe once the late night hosts have had time to process it and figure out who was responsible for the leak, if you will, in Washington, D.C., perhaps then we will be able to discuss it. I have one, just one fart story that comes close. And uh, my daughter would love if I told this. She's now 14, so she will disown me. She was a baby. We're at a funeral for my grandmother. Everyone's sobbing and crying, and it was such a a sad situation. And similar sound that we heard uh, late last night on MSNBC, and the entire church just let out huge laughter. And, you know, she was a baby, so she wasn't even embarrassed by it. I won't even use her name but she broke the tension in the room by breaking wind. One of the great fart stories in my 43 years. Do you have anything close? Uh, I have, I have one fart you do. story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's legendary. I think I was Dave like in sixth grade, maybe. And I was at a basketball camp over the summer. It was a summer basketball camp and we were all seated seating on the the hardwood floor listening to a speaker. And I can't remember who the speaker was, but we were all listening <laughs> to to the speaker. And I don't remember who the speaker was, Dave, or what they were talking about. But this is like 100 150 fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade boys, maybe. I don't know. And when I tell you, it was the loudest, most audible fart that's ever been farted. And it must have had something to do with being in the gym and the hardwood floor. But it was like, I mean, Dave, it was like a, it was like a bomb went off. It was so loud. And what immediately happened is everyone looked at me, including the speaker, who just stopped, looked over at me, and gave me a look of utter contempt and disgust. Everyone seated around me proceeded to slide away. So while there were a hundred boys in a big beehive, All of a sudden, I was isolated by myself as everyone went away. One kid uh, that was from my school stood up, pointed at my head like this, 
It was him. It was him. And what's crazy about that is I was embarrassed. You know, when the speaker gave me that look, I was very embarrassed. But the rest of the camp, after that, people were coming up to me and they're like, dude, that was amazing. I'm so jealous. <laughs> like, you're sixth grade boys. They're like, that was the greatest thing I've ever heard. How did you do that? Like, you got to teach me how to, like, that was, that was, le- like, you are a legend. Like, it was, it was, it went from a really bad thing where I was embarrassed to, like, I was known the rest of the camp as having the most epic fart that anyone had ever heard at any point. You are an absolute legend. People probably still talk about that moment today. My friend, Ross Tucker legend lives on. Hey, my friends bring up two moments, Dave. They bring up that and they bring up when we were going into ninth grade and we were riding our bikes home from the pool And it was right when we were into riding our bikes, no hands, right? Like, you know, you can just balance it with your hips and waist. You you know, you don't really need to use your hands. You're on a mountain bike. And two girls are coming. The best looking girls in our school, Christy Moyer and Jen Estep. They were like the best looking girls in our grade. And the first couple guys waved to them. Hey, girls. And we're going no hands. I go to wave to them, Dave. And I hit my handlebars. <laughs> I hit my, I go, hey, boom, hit my handlebars. And I go flying. And I'll never forget one of them saying, oh, Ross. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about embarrassing. It was awful. And all my friends just laughed. I am on the ground, in the middle of the street, on the pavement, and my friends are just dying laughing. And the girls just keep walking. I, I was at, it, we were going ninth grade. They were probably dating juniors at the time. They, I, I wasn't on their radar. I mean, to not even stop and ask if I was okay. That's I could cold. have been top 50 on their list. Not even top 50 on their I mean, they didn't, they, oh, Ross, kept walking. Awful. You were my freaking, friends, my you friends were... still bring that up. They still bring that up. And they all laugh so hard they cry when they bring it up. So, all right, all right, assholes, that's your thing. Your things are since I was in sixth grade and ninth grade. Life's gone pretty good after that, jerks. <laughs> Uh, my whole life has been a series of embarrassments. I don't know if I can top any of those individually, but it's just been one thing after another for me ever since that age. But road I'm not kill, as embarrassed were... though as I'm not as embarrassed though as Philip Rivers might be after last night. <laughs> Philip Rivers ought to be ashamed of himself. In fact, wait, he may have just been intercepted again because Philip Rivers was brutal last night. Four interceptions seven the last two weeks 
And it was all about Phillip Rivers' interceptions on Monday Night Football at Estadio Azteca. 24-17, somehow the Chiefs win this game. They'd certainly played far from their best football. Patrick Mahomes, a career low in passing. That's what stands out to you from his night. 182 yards passing, 19 of 32. He didn't finish with a season high, 59 yards rushing. An odd dynamic for Patrick Mahomes. So you could feel good that the, uh, the ankle looks good and he seems healthy. But Rivers is absolutely the story of this game. Uh, The Chargers had 312 first-half yards and turned it into a whopping nine points. And they had so many opportunities to win this game, none bigger than late in the game, down seven, Rivers in control with a chance to tie this game or win it with the two-point conversion. And he throws that fourth interception. It was a devastating night. Let's hear from Phillip Rivers after a tough loss. This game, you guys are right back in the, the race in the division. Uh, it's, how just disappointing is this loss in general? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. We knew how big this game was, and uh, we didn't get it done. How do you how do you move forward from this game after the bye week? How do you how do you kind of prepare mentally to finish the rest of the season strong? Yeah, I mean, it's the only way I know is to fight, and uh, you just keep fighting. Uh, sign up for them all. Uh, regardless of what your record is. And um, um, we've been in this spot before, and you just keep playing. never know what can happen, but uh, whether that all happens or not, you just keep fighting. And um, that's the the, uh, beauty of this game is it's more than – while believe me, it hurts like crazy. uh, We know what we're all playing as a team and what our goals are. Uh, This game's way more than – between the lines, the things you learn, the, the uh, toughness and all the, you know, uh, all the things that you have to work on uh, to help you be a better person, man, husband, father. And, uh, we're, we're in one of those spots. I'm certainly in one of those spots, and you just keep fighting. Admirable how he takes it like a man afterwards, but this is a man who has to be somewhere else in 2020. And you... If you haven't been watching the Chargers for years, which I'm sure you have, you just have that sinking feeling. He is the perfect antithesis of Tom Brady. With Brady, doesn't matter how much time is left on that clock, you just have this sinking feeling that he's going to come back and win it. Don't give him a minute and 15 seconds because he's going to march down the field and beat you. You've always had that feeling in Tom Brady's career. Conversely, it's that inescapable feeling with Philip Rivers that he's going to find a way to blow this game. And one stat probably defines Philip Rivers' career. 61 losses by seven or fewer points as a starting quarterback, most in the Super Bowl era. How telling was the performance by Rivers and do the Chargers have no choice but to move on in 2020 as they go into a new stadium next year? You know, I think they have a choice, and and that's interesting, Dave. I wasn't even thinking along those lines. I mean, that that is an interesting discussion to be had because this is the last year of his contract. So there's a lot of situations that might play out there. You know, do they want to give him a long-term deal? Uh, Do they want to franchise tag him? Does he want to sign a long-term deal there? Uh, He doesn't look to me like a guy that doesn't want to play anymore, but – 
you never know. It's a very interesting situation. Uh, and and a, an uncanny moment last night is just everyone watching that game on social media knowing what was going to happen. Dave, I mean, we should think about this and brainstorm. I don't know how many other situations in life you feel like you already know what the outcome is going to be in sports. It's crazy. I mean, it used to be like when Clemson would uh, lose to a team they shouldn't have after they were 7-0, and and we would call that Clemsoning. They've gotten rid of that. But I can't think of anything else that feels as predictable in the NFL, in, in sports, as Phillip Rivers losing a game late, an epic, valiant comeback. And every once in a while, they actually win those. But most of the time, they lose. It ends in a Rivers interception. I can't tell you how much time I feel like I've spent on the Red Zone channel watching that happen over and over and over again. It just seems like his M.O., their M.O. So, number one, that's the big Chargers takeaway from last night's game. In terms of some analysis, I mean, it's not easy when both your starting tackles are out. So, Rivers was not in a good situation there. Frank Clark was able to totally dominate the game. But the Chargers really lost this, Dave, in the first half. I mean, they had 312 yards of offense in the first half to 109 for the Chiefs. 200 more yards of offense. They were losing 10-9. You scored nine points with 312 yards of offense? That's really when they lost the game. I don't know, frankly, why they didn't run the ball more. They were getting five yards a carry, and you're going against a, a bad Chiefs run defense. And yet, 54 passes, 19 runs. Don't really understand that. Guys were dropping like flies on the other side for the Chiefs. We can get into the, I'll get into the Chiefs part of it in a second. But for the Chargers, now it's a lost season. Now it's just playing out the string and trying to get some wins. And I don't know, maybe Phillip Rivers' performance down the stretch does impact what the organization wants to do with him. They're going to have a very unique decision to make. And I wasn't even thinking that way a couple weeks ago. Well, I, I thought about it. Our friend, uh, Michael Giannetti, who's coming up from Spot Track, he put out the current contract projection for Phillip Rivers because it is the last year of his contract at three years, $94 million. And there's just no way if you're Dean Spanos, if you're that organization, can you hand him in the, in the neighborhood of $100 million when you've seen this story, you know how it plays out. This was a Super Bowl favorite, according to some very smart people that followed this game, picked the Chargers to win the Super Bowl and said they had top three roster, top to bottom. Now, the Melvin Gordon holdout and the Derwin James injury certainly changed a lot of things, but it's hard to find a more disappointing team, and it just feels like you got to rip the Band-Aid off, move on from Phillip Rivers at 38 years old. But how many quarterbacks are available 
next season. Let's go to the Chiefs side of this now. That's what's tough to figure out. Good point about Frank Clark. Finally looked like the guy that they paid for, that they traded for. Tyreek Hill hurt earlier in this game, which certainly impacts that offense. But they just don't look scary. They just don't scare you in any way, shape, or form other than Travis Kelsey. Let's listen to the dominant tight end and Patrick Mahomes after the win. It's a his special notebook, man. This guy's got notes on notes on notes, the secret stuff, man. I don't know what he's got in that thing, but it works for him. And uh, I asked him one day what, what, it, what it all had in there, and he said, ah, just little stuff I can think about on the side. Well, you're thinking in the right direction there, man, because uh, Pat Mahomes is the best football player out here. Oh, yeah, and you, you can tell in practice he knows exactly where he wants to go with the ball. And even out here in the games, man, as soon as you turn your head, that ball is right on you. Yeah. And, and that's what you want as a, as a route runner, as a receiver, uh, is, is that, that ball on time where, you, where you, you can catch it and do some work with it. And Pat, is, he's unbelievable at getting the ball in, uh, in a playmaker's hands. They played lights out really all game long. We put them in a lot of tough positions as an offense, and, and, and they pretty much just picked it up and saved us in that game. And, uh, I mean, it's a team game, and it's good to see those guys win a game for us. Yeah, we just we missed on too many things. There were so, too many missed assignments. Uh, usually we can kind of get away with that and try to fix it, but this, I mean, that's a good defense, and they, were, they weren't letting us do it. And so uh, we got, we got to be better. We have a bye week now. We got to go back to it, kind of reevaluate ourselves and, and try to be better when we come back. You had a career-high 59 rushing yards. Uh, how was the knee feeling? Yeah, it feels good right now. I mean, uh, I don't usually try to run, but uh, they were giving some rush lanes with it whenever those guys would get upfield, and uh, I just tried to take advantage of that whenever I could. 182 passing yards, the lowest in Patrick Mahomes' career in a game in which he finished. Do you feel better about their Super Bowl chances? Or do you feel worse despite the fact that they won a divisional game, technically on the road, down there in interesting conditions with an injury? That's a good question, Dave, because I can give arguments for both. And let me just say this before I forget. One of our millennial producers, Steve Jung, he said it exactly right on our private Slack channel that his favorite thing is 7.25 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. You're watching the Chargers and Rivers on the red zone mount this epic comeback, and the announcers will say, 60 minutes will be seen in its entirety following the conclusion of this game. That that I've spent half my life watching Phillip Rivers in the red zone, or on the red zone channel late in games. As for the Chiefs, Dave, you know, on the one hand, Watching them and their struggles and Tyreek Hill hurts his hamstring and then LaShawn McCoy and uh, Damian Williams go out and they just don't look great on offense. Uh, part of me is like, man, they're not going to the Super Bowl. And I don't think that they are. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think they're good enough to win at New England and at Baltimore like they're likely going to have to do in some way, shape or form. Those two teams, I think, are clearly a, a step ahead of them. But the flip side is. Mahomes running it so well. You know, Mahomes ran so well that I kind of feel like, you know, that made me feel better about his knee. It made me feel better about him being able to be peak Mahomes in the playoffs. You know, the way he threw the ball against the Titans, the way he ran against the Chargers, he looks to me like he's got, you know, he can be every but every bit the player he was before the injury. And that does give the Chiefs a chance. It gives him a a puncher's chance in the playoffs because I feel like, you know, he could help them 
get there and, and you never know. He could have a great game and they could beat the Ravens or Patriots. I just don't see him doing it three weeks in a row. I feel worse about the Chiefs' chances. I feel like that just, again, that run defense is clearly susceptible. I don't know why they just didn't pound away with Melvin Gordon. They chose not to. And the offense just doesn't scare you right now. I, I, I can't imagine them competing with Baltimore, certainly going into New England and winning a January football game. It's amazing how fast this league changes from the unstoppable force that was Mahomes and this offense a year ago to what they are now. Lamar Jackson is the new Patrick Mahomes. It changes quick. We're going to take a, a quick break, talk to our good friend Michael Gennetti from Spot Track. We'll ask him about that future decision regarding uh, Philip Rivers' contract and how much money is on the line for Tua Tugavailoa and one of the toughest decisions a young football player could ever make. Uh, we'll take a quick break after these words from you, Mr. Tucker. Zip Recruiter, get excited. Hiring can be a challenge, as Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered. She needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Monday Night Football, an interesting game at Estadio Azteca. And two quarterbacks on opposite ends of the contract spectrum when you're talking about gunslingers in this league. Let's talk about that and the tough decision, perhaps the toughest decision a young athlete can have to make, and how much money is Tua Tagovailoa leaving on the table given that hip injury suffered Saturday with Alabama. Tough times. Let's talk to Michael Gennetti from Spot Track. Check them out. The best information on contracts in all of sports. SpotTrack.com, SpotTrack on Twitter as well. Michael, good to talk to you. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Um, let's get into both those quarterbacks and first start with Phillip Rivers. How big a financial decision are the Chargers facing with the guy who's turning 38 next month as they go into that new stadium in Los Angeles next season? Yeah, I mean, there's been no news. To me, that's the most interesting part of this is you've got a you know fringe Hall of Fame quarterback and there's been zero discussion about his contract that is set to expire in six weeks here. So I don't know if that's from Phillip Rivers' side where, I mean, we've kind of heard through the tea leaves that this is a guy that you know might be on the backside of it, might be considering retirement. So maybe it's on him saying, I'm not ready to talk about a contract. But 
if and when, let's say Philip Rivers wants to remain the Chargers quarterback and, and they feel that he's the guy moving for the next few years, you know, that they, they want to keep on the board, you got to start at 30 million. I mean, you're you've got six players now with with 30 million dollar contracts on the quarterback angle. So, uh, you, you know, like I said, fringe Hall of Famer, you know, veteran. Yes, he's 36, 37 now, but, uh, you know, 35 is the bar. Mahomes is going to reset that bar. So I've got him valued at 31 million dollars, which. Is probably on the low side, mathematically speaking, with for a guy like Rivers, even though he's going to have those four interception nights more and more now. It just seems like he's a he's a player in decline. But regardless of that, thirty million dollars is second tier quarterback money now. So here's the question in my mind, Michael, on Rivers is there's really three options, I guess. One would be sign him to a long term deal. Second one would be franchise tag because they don't know if they're going to be able to get another quarterback. And then the last option, I suppose, would be to just let him go. That doesn't seem like a very good option, because even if they don't want him as their quarterback anymore, it would stand the reason that there's got to be a, at least one or two teams that would say, hey, he could help us get over the hump. He's still good enough that we would take him. What do you think the likelihood is of those three various options? If I had to rank him, I think the chance that he walks via the Chargers decision is the least likely. I think if he walks, it's going to be on his own terms. If the Chargers decide, I don't, I, this isn't, this isn't a fit anymore. I think there's a better chance Rivers just retires. Um, look, they've got Tyrod Taylor on that on that roster right now, who's had a year to figure out that system. I, I don't hate that as a maybe a two-year bridge to get yourself to a, to the next rookie quarterback for the Chargers going forward. Um, so it's possible that they feel like they're covered either way. If Rivers walks away, Tyrod steps in. I don't think the, the Easton Stick kid they drafted is much of anything at this point. So um, the likelihood of him hitting free agency via the Chargers decision is probably rare. Not to mention, there's a pretty good laundry list of quarterbacks available where Rivers might be sixth or seventh on that list right now. So um, I don't think he wants to test the waters necessarily. This is a guy who's got a gigantic family. <laughs> I don't think he wants to uproot himself at this point <laughs> of his career. So, I mean, it's it's part of it, right? But I, I think the Chargers probably think they're covered with a guy like Tyrod in the fold and, like I said, a list of free agent quarterbacks that, that might be available for them. Track might have to do a breakdown of what college will cost for the Phillip Rivers family. That's got to be in the several million dollars. We're probably talking eight figures, uh, given all the kids there. Uh, but the guy on the winning sideline was Patrick Mahomes. What kind of contract are you hearing might get the deal done? To me, it's not so much the money, but when. I think this injury really kind of put a, a stake into, you know, the slam dunk that was going to be next March. The Chiefs were just going to extend Patrick Mahomes. Um, look at mathematically speaking, now this is a baseline mathematical calculation. He's worth $36.5 million a year right now, um, which is a million and a half more than Russell Wilson's top buyer right now. So uh, clearly his production is way above everybody else. It's, the sky's the limit. I mean, if he and his agent sit down and say, we, we want to break the $40 million threshold and figure out a way to do it, I think the Chiefs probably do it. But the question is, do they do it next March or do they wait this thing out for one more year, sort of see what happens as this next CBA uh, situation kind of unfolds a little bit more and then maybe negotiate from there? Um, you're going to have, you know, Deshaun Watson in the mix for a contract. So there's going to be some back and forth there. 
And eventually, if you wait, if you do wait an offseason, you're going to have Lamar Jackson in extension eligibility as well. So the next 24 months for those three quarterbacks specifically are going to be really fun and for with all likelihood, gigantic numbers, too. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You said the strict math calculation is $36.5 million. I, I mean, I kind of feel like Mahomes might get $40 million. And I, I know that will be the fight. And that's probably what his agent will go for. And the Chiefs will probably say, no, we'll make you the highest paid ever, but not that much. But um, I, I don't you kind of think that he'll be able to, to maybe at least to get to $40 million, if not at least approach it? Yeah, I even think it might be less about the $40 million. Now, that's the sexy number. That's the one we've all been kind of throwing out for six months or so with Mahomes. But Jared Goff's $110 million and almost essentially Russell's $70 million fully guaranteed at signing. Those are the numbers you really want to touch on. I mean, if you can get, if you can get $100 million fully guaranteed at signing, that's the sexiest number out there right now for me. Kirk Cousins on his three-year deal got $84 million fully guaranteed. So he's sort of the uh, the short-term version of how this works. But if Mahomes can get into that fourth year fully guaranteed, right, so the next four years on his contract become fully guaranteed at signing, that's somewhat unprecedented, especially in the last 15 years of NFL contracts. To me, the, that's the kind of barometer he should be looking to set. If, if it, by the way, it comes with $40 million a year, then fine. But to me, it's about $100 million fully guaranteed and over $115 million total guaranteed. So... Um, it's about the guarantees for Mahomes for me. Michael, is there any, it seems like, you know, Kirk Cousins, 28 million a couple of years ago was, whoa, 28 million a year and fully guaranteed. And now guys are getting way more on an a- average per year basis. Is there any position in football that is increasing and tracking as quickly as quarterback because it seems like the quarterback keep going up up and up but I don't know that I noticed that as much at like cornerback for example but maybe there are other positions that are that have increased as rapidly also we really need new phones T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month new iPhone 15s it's better over here. only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Almost every other position is due for a major upgrade and a major ceiling set. Um, The one position that sort of had a a resurgence this past offseason was the safety. We saw six or so safeties signed for way above market prices. So that that market has essentially been reset. We're going to see that with the cornerbacks probably this offseason with guys like Jalen Ramsey, Tredavious White, um, probably going to cash in you know north of $18 million a year. Um, the left tackle is it has been steadily rising. I think it goes way up now because of the Laramie Tunzel situation in Houston. 
I mean, what Houston gave up is Khalil Mack money. So you, Laramie Tunzel can't go on there and say, I'll take $17 million a year when his trade value was essentially the same as a guy who's worth $21 million a year. So I expect that to jump. Um, really, those are the positions of power right now, right? Your edge rushers, your left tackles, your secondary, your quarterback secondaries, and then, of course, the quarterbacks themselves. To answer your question specifically, though, no position has jumped or consistently stayed to the level financially that the quarterback is. And it's I think it's it's worthy. I don't think there's anything more. It might be the most important position of all of sports right now is the starting quarterback. And that's bad news for Jerry Jones because Dak Prescott is playing some incredible football. Talking to Michael Gennetti from Track, put up more than 840 yards passing in two weeks, something no Cowboys quarterback has ever done. What type of contract do you feel like he is asking for and how high will Jerry go? Yeah, it's a great question because we, we really don't know anything at this point. We've been back and forth with this on a weekly basis and, you know, Dak has done plenty now this year. I mean, it, it's, it wasn't fair those first four weeks to say this is who he is now. He's this 400-yard guy. Uh, but he's done it now for 11 weeks consistently with a couple of, uh, you, know, you know, a couple of down weeks mixed in there. I, if the asking price was 33 to start the year, my guess is what it was around there. Um, you know, it's 35 now. It's Russell's number now for sure because of his age and his abilities and, and the fact that it's Dallas Cowboys for quarterback situation. Um, does Dak... My, my, my question is this. I think the franchise tag is coming. The franchise tag is $27 million projection, uh, which is crazy low for what Dak is looking for, obviously. So what happens when Dak Prescott doesn't sign that that franchise tag? They need to sign Amari Cooper. They need to sign a couple of other defensive players to keep that in the fold. Um, what happens when Dallas has a holdout quarterback throughout the summer and there's a laundry list of quarterbacks available, like I said? I just think this could be a major stare down between Jerry and Dak um, over a couple of million dollars, which I don't agree with. If if Dak thinks he needs to reset the market at $36 million, Jerry just needs to get that done. And it can be on a Kirk Cousins type deal. Dak's been durable, crazy durable for a guy that moves around as much as he does. I think you put yourself on a short-term, three-year, fully guaranteed contract like Cousins did and see what happens after that. That's the window the Cowboys are in anyway. So I don't think you have to go blockbuster, you know, reset the, the, the NFL historical contract situation with Dak. You just got to make him happy for a couple of years here on a guaranteed contract. You know, it's funny, uh, Michael, because, you know, there are a lot of people that were making fun of the Vikings almost after the contract they gave Cousins three years, fully guaranteed $28 million a year. But when you look at all the quarterbacks making more than $30 million a year now, and I know it's fully guaranteed, but how many of those guys are getting cut before three years anyway? Not many, if any. The Vikings actually that actually seems to me like they're getting thirty to thirty-five million dollars a year worth of value for only twenty-eight million. It's almost like they're saving money now. I loved the deal. I thought it was absolutely perfect. I, he, look, he was in the position of power as a free agent quarterback because we just don't, we just don't see that. We don't see guys who were starting quarterbacks hit the market like that with his kind of production. Um, so he could have really jumped this thing up and gone with a you know a bigger deal on maybe a worse team. He chose a good team and he chose a short term contract. Look at. Yeah. I mean, he made fifty four million dollars over the first two years. I don't think that's anything to gawk at, you know. But yeah, there's no question he's a value to some degree for Minnesota based on the, the average annual salary. And oh, by the way, he gets to hit free agency again at thirty two years old if, if he's so inclined. So uh, my guess is the way he's been playing this year, they're going to extend him right now. The, the numbers bear out really well for a nice 
three to four year extension to tack onto this thing. And then you put those two contracts together and everybody wins. Kirk gets his money because Ross, you're dead on. There's no five year contract in the NFL. There never has been a five year deal is a three year deal. You know, almost sometimes never a four year deal. Right. It's just how it works with these guarantees. That's why for me, the Mahomes deal has to be impactful over four years, because even if it's a six year deal, it's not a six year deal. Um, that's why I love what Cousins did. Short, sweet, fully guaranteed. I think Dak should be in the same neighborhood. Talking to Michael Gennetti from Spot Track, and one of the interesting things you delve into on your Spot Track podcast is Tua Tagovailoa, the devastating hip injury that he suffered Saturday. He had surgery Monday in Houston, successful from what we're told. That still, bare minimum, comes with a six-month recovery time before he's even taking part in any football activities takes him past the NFL draft window. One, how much money did that decision, or did that injury rather, potentially cost Tua? And what type of decision is coming regarding returning to Alabama or going ahead and entering the draft and rolling the dice? It's a great question. I, uh, I can't imagine he's back at Alabama for any reason. I mean, there's just so much discussion about, you know, the compensation in college football versus, you know, getting yourself to a professional status and letting things bear out. I think, I think there's a 99% chance that he still enters the draft and takes what he can get, knowing that, you know, the rookie contracts are great, but it's all about that second contract. So if, if he slow plays this thing, like I think he will, um, you know, he'll, he'll get himself to that second contract, the Carson Wentz deal where you're, you know, nearing nearing 100 million fully guaranteed that's what you want um so to me it's not about 2020 for Tua it's about 2024 2025 when you can really start to cash in from a rookie contract standpoint though look at let's say he was a number two pick right let's say that's where the big boards had him that's that's four years 35 fully guaranteed um so now if he's a late first round pick which is where many of the of the experts are saying he may fall to you're talking about four years 10 12 million dollars so you're talking about you know, 15 to, to, to 20, anywhere from 15 to $20 million lost of guaranteed dollars because of the draft, draft stock falling as much as we think it might. Um, but look, at there's a, there's a silver lining to that, right? If, you're, if you fall into the late first round, let's talk about Lamar Jackson a little bit here. <laughs> he didn't go to the Cincinnati Bengals. Lamar went to the Ravens, who were built to win in a lot of areas. And when they figured out that Lamar was who he was, they were able to shuffle things and make and turn themselves into contenders immediately. There's a good chance that Tua, if he falls into the 20s in the first round, gets himself on a really great team who might be nearing the end of a current quarterback situation. He can sit out basically all of 2020, you know, rehab himself from a physical standpoint, build himself up up from a mental and NFL, you know, you know, a playbook standpoint similar to a Mahomes situation in Kansas City. And then in 2021, it's, you know, it's all systems go. So it could be a blessing in disguise that he's got to sit himself out for 2020. Yes, he's going to lose some guaranteed dollars in the rookie contract. But from a football standpoint, it might be a blessing. Yeah, it's interesting, Michael, because I was thinking, I wonder if there's an argument to be made for him to go back to Alabama be the number one pick and get the $40 million fully guaranteed as opposed to the 10 that's guaranteed if he's at the end of round one, not knowing, of course, exactly when he'll get drafted or what his prognosis is. I did want to ask you about Cam Newton. It's an interesting situation. He's under contract for one more year for $19 million, 
which I think represents good value for the Panthers and whoever would trade for him. But it's always tricky because I feel like the Panthers could justify bringing him back and having him play out the deal. But if he's traded elsewhere, I kind of feel like Cam's going to say, no, 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 I I want a new deal. I'm curious your thoughts on uh, how a team might try to navigate that. It's a great question. I would I would imagine that those parameters would have to be worked out before any kind of trade is processed, sort of the wink-wink negotiations. I'm with you. I mean, Cam still thinks he can play at a, at a high, high level, and he can when he's healthy. Um, so my guess is uh, that, yes, he's going to want some sort of extension or restructure tacked on to the $19 million he's set to make next year. If he can rehab this thing and get himself healthy, he can help anybody. I mean, he can help. The Panthers, obviously, upgrade the Bears, um, sl- you know, slide into Tampa Bay and sort of figure out the Bruce Arians system quickly. I think there's spots for them, but it probably will come with some sort of restructure. Now, it, it also could go the exact opposite way, Ross. It could go. It could be that teams think $19 million is too much for a guy who's been injured as much as Cam has, and they really just want to s- see how this works for one year on a rental, and Carolina ends up having to pay some of that $19 million. We've seen that a lot more and more with these trades that – you know, if there's any sort of red flag built in, teams may have to take on a small signing bonus to pull some of that money out of the trade and make it a better deal for the receiving team. Um, I could see it going both ways. I could see, you know, Cam's physical abilities coming fully back in March put, and Carolina saying, you know, Chicago, well, let's do this. What are, what are you willing to give us? And Chicago, in turn, you know, throws him 35 to 40 million guaranteed on a new deal. Um but I could also go the other way. If they wait this thing out, which is possible, because they might not know if they want to get rid of him or not based on what you just said. He, he can still help Carolina. But if they wait and the suitors fall off the platform a little bit here because some, you know, Andy Dalton's and those guys go somewhere else, um, I, yeah, it could, they could be stuck in a position where they're paying some of this contract to get him off the team. Michael Gennetti from Track. Check him out at SpotTrack.com at SpotTrack on Twitter. Great to have you, my friend. Appreciate the insight as always. Thanks, guys. All right, so let's start there with the Carolina Panthers because David Tepper, the billionaire owner of the Carolina Panthers, faces a major decision, as many decisions as really any NFL owner at this point. He talked to reporters yesterday, which is very rare, didn't allow them to quote much except for one thing. Every time we have a loss, my mood is shitty. So that was the insightful part that he let the reporters quote. Also said, again, not for print, not for direct quote, that he doesn't accept long-term mediocrity and wouldn't comment on the future of his head coach, Ron Rivera, of the GM, and said they can't get into or can't decide the future of Cam Newton until he is fully healthy. What do you take away from the Panthers' situation and the comments, or lack thereof, from the billionaire owner? Well, here's the, here's my first question on that, Dave. Now you are, you know, you went to school for journalism. You're a newsman. You're a newsman. You're on CNN every day. Uh, I majored in politics and uh, don't have any background in this till I started doing it. So I guess my first question is, what do you think the logic is on it not being recorded? And also them not being allowed to quote him directly. Like, talk to me. Do politicians do this? Do other be like businessmen do this? Like, what's the logic or thought process there? Well, our entire 
reporting mechanism depends on those conversations that are entirely off the record, just gaining some insights. Say an example, right? You're talking to some Republican senators about their true feelings, not what they say publicly about the president, but how difficult it is for them to read the tweets and how difficult it is for them to deal with the, uh, the divisive language. But I don't understand it when you're an NFL owner talking to a big group of reporters. That is only in a one-on-one situation that I've ever had an off-the-record discussion there's a point for that. When you're talking to a wide group of reporters, and and from what I understand, there was 20 there, I don't see the advantage of saying this, especially when you say, I won't entertain questions about my head coach or my general manager, which arguably, Ross, says as much as saying nothing. That says to me as a reporter that you don't know, that you're not going to say that they're here or that you're committed to them. I don't understand why he wouldn't let anyone quote him, especially when you have the feel shitty comment that you allow out there. Yeah, I'm I'm confused by this. I I really am. I I don't know why he didn't want to be direct quoted. I don't know why, why even talk to him. If you don't want him to record it and you don't want to be direct quoted, why even talk to him? Maybe we can get him on and he'll explain why. <laughs> I'm not optimistic. Maybe we, maybe we can get David Tepper on and he can explain why. But no, I, I truly don't get it. I don't understand. I thought that was interesting. I think pretty clearly Ron Rivera, I would say Ron Rivera, Marty Herney, and Kyle Allen are all managing, coaching, and playing for their jobs over the next six weeks. The team is five and five. You know how I feel about Kyle Allen, which is just that he deserves to be the quarterback for the rest of this year and be evaluated at the end of the year as to the entire body of work, not these knee-jerk one bad game or two out of the last four bad games. He's clearly not the guy. He should be afforded at least close to the same leash that any other young quarterback would get in this situation. But he's going to have to play better than he did, uh, certainly at San Francisco and against Atlanta on Sunday. And really, I think Ron Rivera, his job's probably on the line on some level. But I don't know. I mean, if they if they go 3-3 three and three and they're 8-8, eight and eight, is that enough? If they go 4-2 and two and they're 9-7, and seven, does that make a difference? I mean, I, I kind of feel like just hearing the one direct quote from Tepper that, you know, when they lose, he feels shitty and he won't accept mediocrity. I kind of feel like it's probably time to move on, right or wrong. You know, this is a guy that bought the team, and unlike most people that buy teams, he didn't put his own people in there. He's stuck with Marty Herney, stuck with Ron Rivera. But it feels like in those situations, Dave, Unless you have the ultimate success or have a lot of success, that eventually that guy's going to bring in his own people. And it feels like the time for that is probably after this season. And then whoever they bring in at that point will be tasked with figuring out what to do with Cam Newton because that situation is fascinating. Yeah, you've got a you've got a franchise that it's such a crossroads that it could be any number of three options. It could be 
the young quarterback, Kyle Allen. It could be Cam Newton, or it could be a third option. Depending on the health of Cam Newton and the performance of Kyle Allen the rest of the way, they could be looking for someone in the draft, or could they be looking for a veteran answer like Teddy Bridgewater? As for those questions you had, Ross, about what was David Tepper doing, commenting, not commenting, not allowing this to be officially on the record? Brent Brett Jensen from WBT joined our friends at WFNZ in Charlotte. That's a radio.com affiliate you can listen to anytime on the radio.com app to try to pull back the curtain a bit about what went down yesterday. Listen. I got called at 4.10 and said, Tepper's meeting in, 40, in Tepper's meeting in 20 minutes with the media. Why he did it, I don't know. Like I said, they called certain media. It wasn't like it wasn't open to yeah. the media. They called certain. I was one of the ones that, get, that got called. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't. I don't know why he did that. You, you've got everything going with the MLS. You've got everything going on with Cam Newton. You've got everything going on with the new stadium, yeah. with the city. And, Awful loss the day before. That was embarrassing. Yeah, and I think that is what bothered him immensely. Um, he literally loses sleep after losses, especially at home. Constantly talking about, I just, you know, I wake up, I can't sleep, yeah. I wake up, I can't sleep. Yeah, he, and uh, it just really bothers him. And I can tell you the one thing he will not, and I you know, put it in the article there at WFNZ.com, over and over and over, it was stated mediocrity is not acceptable yeah. under any circumstances whatsoever. And that's what whatsoever. this team has been lately. They they had the four years playoffs bone in five years where we weren't, but this would be three to last four years missing the playoffs. Well, so, and, you know, but you know, even one of those years, they were seven and nine when they made the playoffs. But he hates losing. And you can tell it's bothering him. It, I mean, which it, is great. That's what you want to hear in your own. It truly bothers that. him. But he's also yeah. going to let football people make football decisions. That's what you want in your NFL owner, David Tepper, a guy that hates losing, that can't sleep. I don't know if that's what you want if you're Ron Rivera. You've lost three of four. And you've been mediocre the last several years, Ross. Yeah, I, I would just say this. Uh, that is what you want to hear from your owner. But I would say careful what you wish for. And I'm not saying any owner should ever accept mediocrity. All I'm saying is these guys all come in the NFL when they're new owners. And they're used to having a lot of success. In almost every instance, they had a business that went very well. And enabled them to make billions of dollars and buy an NFL team. But then you realize all the other 32 teams, most of them, 31 teams, same deal. You know, owned by a billionaire guy who's used to having success. And then you realize, you know what? It is hard to have success in the NFL. There's a salary cap. There's a draft. So I'm not saying any team should accept mediocrity. What I'm saying is, careful what you wish for. And I've heard, you know, owners talk like this. And then the next thing you know, it's Jimmy Haslam and the Browns. Or it's Daniel <laughs> Snyder and the Redskins. You know, they all talked a big game. You know, where I'm going to spare no expense, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're, they're some of the worst franchises out there. And they have been for a long time. So I hope Tepper, if he gets rid of these guys figures it out. I actually don't think five and five is that horrible with Kyle Allen as your quarterback. Um, and really they're five and three with Kyle Allen. They were and two with an injured cam. I, I don't know. Let's see how they finish, but I'd be hesitant. I think Ron Rivera is a good coach. 
with the caveat that we don't know Cam Newton's health next season. In five seconds, the Carolina Panthers day one quarterback, game one, week one, next season is Kyle Allen A, Cam Newton B, none of the above C. Cam Newton B. Wow, that's what I was going to say. I thought for sure you were riding the Kyle Allen train. No, I has got a surprise up his sleeve. Yeah, I think he's going to I think he's going to fire Ron Rivera and Marty Herney. And I think the new person that comes in is going to think that his best chance is a is to see if Cam is healthy and go with Cam and see what he can do. Um, I don't really have high hopes for Cam, Dave. I mean, let's look at a couple things, right? Multiple shoulder surgeries. And now he's got the foot, which he may or may not have operated on. By the way, I think I'd feel a lot better about it if they operated on than if they didn't. Yeah. Because if they didn't, it's like, okay, well, then how is it better? Um, but what are the odds that Cam Newton ever gets back to 2015 MVP you know, form definitely less than 50%. And frankly, at his age with his recent injury history and his recent performance, I'll say 20%, maybe, maybe 25% that he gets back to being like an elite player. And then you think about his litany of injuries over the years, including the second shoulder surgery, including the foot. What are the odds that he stays healthy uh, 25%. So Dave, if we're going 25 and 25%, uh, a quarter times a quarter is a 16th. That's not a real good odds that Cam Newton gets back to elite player and stays healthy. Princeton education right there put into practice. All right, we're going to take a quick break here when we come back. What's the future of Rob Gronkowski? A big announcement this morning regarding his plans in February in South Beach. And Mike Jones, USA Today, joins us with the latest from Colin Kaepernick Combine and his future after a quick break. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.